Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are glad that you are here. Appreciate you tuning in and joining us. We've got a great guest for you today. But before we get there, hey, let me remind you, if you haven't already, you definitely want to check out myspeakerfee.com. Again, that is myspeakerfee.com. I get asked all the time, Grant, how much should I charge as a speaker? And frankly, the answer is it depends. There's a lot of variables, a lot of factors that go into it. But I know that that is a horrible answer and not the answer that you want to hear. So we've put together this calculator that's a totally free calculator, you're going to go through, answer a couple questions, and it'll give you a pretty close estimate of what you should be charging as a speaker. So if you haven't already checked it out, or if you're just like, I have no idea what I should be charging, you definitely want to stop by, check that out. Again, you can find it over at myspeakerfee.com. Myspeakerfee.com is totally free and uh, just a fun tool to kind of play around with. So make sure you check that out over at myspeakerfee.com. All right, so today we're talking with Brian Fanzo, and uh, we had Brian on way back in episode 116, and so we're having him back to be talking about a couple different things. We're going to talk about how he provides extra value to clients that he works with and differentiates himself from other speakers in this way. We also talk about simple ways that he promotes the event to his audience and uses that content to connect with event planners uh, before he actually speaks. So he really does a great job of just breaking down some, some very strategic, tactical things that he does to make sure he sets himself himself apart from other speakers. And the reality is, is that there's a lot of speakers that are out there in the marketplace on a variety of different subjects and topics. And so there's plenty of speakers and competition that are in your, your industry or in your space. And so in order to differentiate yourself, you have to be thinking through what can you do to stand above the crowd. And so, so Brian offers some very strategic and, and practical things that you can do. So let's get right into it. Here's our uh, conversation with uh, Brian Fanzo from isocialfans.com. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here, hanging out with my buddy Brian Fanzo from iSocialFans. That's fans with a Z.com. So definitely check out his work. He was actually on the show back in episode 116. We'll be sure and link up to that. So, Brian, welcome back. How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me back on. I feel like 116 was forever ago, especially in the speaking space. But uh, no, I'm excited to be back. We haven't had too many repeat guests. So you are in rare air, my friend. No, no pressure. Oh, I, I, feel, I feel extra special then. That sounds good. So people can go back and get your backstory back in episode 116. I'd encourage, again, people to check that out. But one of the things that we wanted to cover today, you had a post that came out a couple of months ago online called Seven Ways I Increase My Speaker Value for Event Organizers. And I thought this would be something that would be valuable for us to discuss. I know that you're some Someone who's kind of uh, always trying new things from a speaking perspective and trying to make sure that you're providing as, as much value as possible. So first of all, why did you write the post? And, and you kind of one of that first line there, not just another fly in, speak, fly out keynote speaker. And there are plenty of, of speakers. I think I've, I've been guilty of falling into that camp from time to time. But what do you mean by that, that fly in, fly out notorious speaker? 
And like you said, my background's rather unique. Like I worked in computer science for the Department of Defense. Then I was working for a startup. And when I worked for the startup, I got to be on some of the, the biggest stages in the world because the, the startup was big in the tech scene. So I was on, I closed AWS reInvent and VMworld. And I got to speak at, you know, in 10,000, 15,000 people venues. And then I went on my own and, and everything kind of, to me, I had to start from scratch. I couldn't get on the side stage of the side stage. But one of the things that I remembered as a, not only as a speaker, but someone attending events was that, you know, I loved events where I would be sitting in the audience and I felt like the speaker was a part of the event, right? I yeah. could, they would not only hang out when they got off stage, but they would maybe sit in the front row while one of their fellow speakers were speaking right. or you'd see him in the hallway. And so I made like this commitment to myself. I said, if I ever make it in the speaking business, I want to be the speaker that is a part of the event. And for the last two and a half years, part of my contract that I with anyone that signs a full contract for you know, a fully paid gig, I would promise them six hours at the event. And I would say, you know, no matter what, I'll spend six hours like in the event. Now I'm an extrovert as well. So like I feed off of the audience. I enjoy being in that in the crowd two hours before I get on stage. So for me, a lot of that was like what I already loved to do. And I included it in my contracts. And interestingly enough, I was working with you know another speaker that we both know, uh, Phil Jones. And mm-hmm. Phil Jones was kind of giving me business advice. I'm a huge fan of his. And one of the things he told me is like, Brian, this all of these things that you add in with social and all these other things that you do, you know, it needs to be, you know, you need to make sure that that is known as a value prop. Because I used to actually, after someone would hire me, I'd say, okay, these are the things that I do since you hired me. I wouldn't actually even use it as a sales pitch because for me, it was part of what I was doing. And so I preach and I, and I try to live by the fact that I'm not a fly in, fly out speaker. Yeah. I won't do two gigs in the same day in the same area. Like, and I know that kind of might hurt my business a little bit, right? Where I, I might be able, you know, if I'm in Florida, I can jump across the right. state. But for me, I think this is where I felt like I wanted to be. It's a place where I could stand out. And so, and the blog post, funny enough, you know, I actually was creating it for a hidden landing page. And while I was doing it, you know, I, I love to use social media and I, and I just did an Instagram story and I was telling people like, Hey, this is something I'm creating and I'm doing this hidden landing page. And the amount of people that said, Brian, well, why don't you create that as a blog post so like right. we can share it out and, and more people can be aware of it. And it was like that light bulb of like, well, I guess it can't hurt sharing sure. like these extra things that I did. So yeah, it's my digital offering that is part of like what I like to say. I, I try to help be a part of the event before the event when the event's going on and then after the event, because I want to think of it as a, as a partnership, not like a one-off contract where they hire me for the one hour I'm on stage. And I know that's not for everybody. And when I first put on there, like not another fly in fly out speaker, I had a lot of speaker friends. Uh, we both are part of some groups that reached out to me. I was like, Hey man, that's a jab, like right at me. you know, like, you know, right. that's kind of how, and I said, Hey, I'm not hating on your side of the business. And if you're able to do that and deliver that value and, and, you know, and I even got an argument and said like, well, Brian, once I'm off that stage, now they're taking away from my time with my kids, sure. right? Or my time with my family. I said, hey, I respect that. But for me, it goes into my whole think like a fan. And think like a fan has been my marketing philosophy. When I was a fan of speakers, and I remember, I mean, Jay Bear, he stayed, he stayed for an entire two days of an event where he spoke at. And he sat in the front row for every speaker that was there. And I wasn't speaking. I was just an, an audience member. And I remember taking down notes. Like, I will buy every book Jay Bear ever has. I will do, because it, to me, it showed that, he cared about the event. He cared about the people. He was so accessible. And I, I said, I'm going to be that person. So that's why for me, it's not like one or the other. It's just like, hey, this is where I know that I can stand out and I can add additional value. And so I know some speakers are like, wait a second, now you're hurting my business on it. But I do look at it as a partnership. And part of my benefit is I get booked for the same gig back to back years a lot of times because I talk about a lot of different topics. But 
because I'm such a part of the community that the community wants me back. They don't really right. care what I'm talking about or talking about the same thing again. So that's kind of how that whole thing came to, to light. And uh, it's it's fun for me because it's stuff I already love doing. Now I just integrate it into my speaking contract. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You touched on a couple of things there I want to mention. So one of the things that you talked about was that part of the reason that you do this is that you are an extrovert. So I'm curious. I know a lot of speakers that we've talked to on the show and then again, speakers that we're both friends with are on the opposite end of the spectrum and that oddly enough, uh, we're much more introverted, myself included. And so whenever we get off stage, we love the emotion of being on stage, but it is exhausting. And so you come off stage and you're just like, I'm just ready to get back to my room. I just feel mentally drained. I feel mentally exhausted. And I think for speakers who are listening or watching, they, they know that if you've done a gig before, it just takes a lot out of you. So then the idea of just like, let's hang out with people now for the next several hours or whatever is just exhausting. So how much do you feel like that you're able to do this just based on personality versus just saying like, Hey, even if I was more introverted, like this is part of my business. And so I I have to do this. So I, I think it's a big part. Part of the reason that I started to really r- realize that this could be something that set me out differently was I was amazed how many fellow speakers that I looked up to were introverts right, or right. That, that were that like, hey, I, I enjoy, right, like you said, afterwards, and, but I want to go hide for a little bit. And for me, the high that I get, it's very much like a podcast for me. It's, you know, I... I I get such a high emotionally and I want to hang out, you know, not only for a couple hours there, but I will, you know, sit down. We did, I mean, at uh, one of the events I was at recently, probably eight, like 15 minute interview style things. As soon as I got off stage, like we did the, the line of people and then the people just sat down and I did these interviews. And for me, it's that, it's not only that riding the high, but it's something that I truly love doing after I get off stage. I feel like it's one of those things where I do a lot of, I would say actionable insights. Like my, you know, I'm a little bit tech focused somewhere in that, social media, marketing, digital technology space. But I like to actually have people, you know, take something and turn it to action immediately. So what I've found is like, that was some of the things where people are like, Brian, you inspired me on stage, but the 10 minutes you gave me after stage, that inspired me to do A, B, and C for my business. And so I do believe it has to do with the fact that I'm an extrovert, right? If you're an introvert, like selling this kind of value proposition is probably not like the the smartest part of it as well. But I I think on top of that, like I've also figured out what I like to be a part of before the event. Like for me, being able to see two or three presentations before I go on stage, I love doing callbacks. I love being able to be a part of it. And so, so much of my presentation is personalized and customized. I even now include where I tell the organizer, like I'm not going to give you my deck you know, not even on the day of the event. Sometimes I will change it an hour before I go up on stage based on what I hear, what right. the community is telling me. But that's because it fits my style, right? And if your style isn't that, I definitely don't recommend doing it. But I've really tapped into what are the things I love doing? What are the things I'm probably already going to do for an event? And then how do I leverage that to stand out a little bit different than other speakers where if, you know, they're putting us both side by side? Hey, this guy's going to stick around for four more hours. He's going to add more, more value to the event in this way. Like, I mean, I offer to do all these different things. And for me, that's just a little bit way of if everyone's zigging and kind of, you know, hey, this is right. what I get on stage, then I'm going to zag and do it a little differently. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, and, and there's definitely, there's huge value in connecting with people beforehand. I've noticed for me, if I take 30 minutes beforehand, just to kind of work the crowd and go around and shake hands, even if they have, like, it's interesting at an event, like before you speak, nobody has any clue who you are. They have no idea who you are or why you're there. And then after you speak, everybody wants to, to chat with you and tell you their life story. But I found that like connecting with people before you speak is really good because it does kind of prime the pump and it helps people to feel like there's some human connection. Even if you they talk to you for 30 seconds, where are you from? Tell me about what you 
you do? You know, what's life like? And you had some little moment there. Then when you are up on stage and they, they recognize that, they're a lot more likely just to tune in and engage with what it is that you're saying. So I'm curious, one of the other things that you mentioned is that it sounds like this oozes out of your personality, but this has also become part of the sales of experience for what you're providing for a potential client. So when you're talking with a potential client, you mentioned that you're there a minimum of six hours. Like what, like talk us through, what does that even look like? Do you mean like I'm hanging out in the halls, I'm sitting in sessions. Are you like running clock? Like how does that all work? So I, you know, it depends on really the, the events or like, the, you know, there's definitely a difference between like the industry association events and then the ones that are more client-based internal focusing right. or our brands. But for the industry association ones, you know, I let them know that I'm fully immersed and I'm fully accessible. If they want me to stop by sponsor s- sessions, you know, I'll, I'll usually throw out and say, Hey, these are two sessions that I would love to sit in and be a part of, you know, I'll live tweet during them. You know, I will, you know, kind of do different things on that side when it's the brand, you know, a couple of like I worked with you. US sailing, you know, and US sailing was like, hey, you know, like we would love for you to amplify our events, but like what other things can you do? And I said, well, why don't we do kind of like a, a fireside chat for some people that are that maybe saw me on stage, but they want additional questions or, hey, why don't we do an interview with one of your sponsors where the sponsor can ask me any questions they want? And so I kind of look at it that way. I also kind of I really do love not only being on stage, but trying to tap into as much as possible. So for an event coming up in May, uh, the social shakeup, I told them we're doing like a two day, I'm doing like an MC and keynote thing. And I told them like, you have access for me for the whole two days, like whatever you want to use me for, let's do it. And so now we're doing two fireside chats. I'm moderating two panels and I'm giving a keynote. And for me, that sounds like, Hey, I'm giving a lot of free, like free value, but it's that element of like, I love doing all that. And I truly feel like being a part of all of those other things kind of give me not only extra value when I'm on stage, but the U.S. selling one was perfectly. I sat down the day before the event with some of their team and said, hey, I want a couple of people that are going to be in the audience. Like, and I was an outsider, right? I don't sell. I was brought in to talk about digital change. And I asked all these questions to this group and they were like, the information they gave me, I called out every single, you know, a one hour presentation. I must've called out five of the six people and said, Hey, remember Kate, when you told me this about this, you know, this is why sailing has this problem. And like you said, that connection and all it was, was simply, you know, kind of tapping in there so that I give the events for the most part, kind of carte blanche on how they want to use me. I will say telling them that them being kind of overwhelmed, they usually don't like give me like a finite itinerary, but that's six hours. I'm either in a session I'm sitting with sponsors like in a networking area. I'm not one that I just don't, I don't need the green room. I don't need like the quiet time with my headphones on. And it's just, it's because my personality. So like I would actually rather be in the session before my keynote than I would sitting backstage so that I can say, Hey, you know, those of you who were here in this room an hour ago, like you saw them talk about this, right? Like, so like that really matters to me. So that part of it is, Hey, I'm part of the event. I'll be anywhere and everywhere. And it's amazing for me how afterwards, as much as they love me on stage, like, man, Brian, people are coming up to me and, and talking about the pictures you took with them, or right. you decided to do this you know, phone call or this video interview. And those are little things that I already love doing and just kind of immersing myself in the event for you know, like six plus hours. And I was saying six hours, but now I'm, I'm kind of looking at it more of like, hey, I'll be there for that entire day. Like yeah. if I'm a if I'm the closing keynote, I'll be there in the morning. If I'm the opening keynote, I'll stay to the end of the day. Because the six-hour part was kind of like, well, can I have three hours before, three hours after? <laughs> right. I've slightly adjusted it a little bit to saying, hey, the day that I speak, I'll be there at the event the entire day. And you know, and it, it, that also means like for my business side, like some of the stuff where I, I would speak and then I would go back to my hotel room and do a lot of work. I've had to scale that off a little bit. You know, I, I brought in some help to kind of do some of those things. But I think that sacrifice for me has come you know, in the benefit of me standing out with this extra value. 
No, there's definitely a lot of truth to that additional value that you're providing there that means so much more than just the one hour that you're on stage. So one of the things that I was kind of, uh, I was jokingly told clients is that, listen, if I got to travel all the way there, I'd love for you to be able to get the most bang for your buck. And I know for me, the more people that I connect with, the more people that I speak to, I know we were talking a little bit about this beforehand, that it leads to more opportunities, right? It leads to maybe it's a additional speaking gigs. It leads to, you know, coaching or consulting, whatever the, you know, that the business model is that you may have that by making those individual connections, oftentimes that's what's leading to additional business, not just because you were, you know, amazing on stage, but oftentimes it's what happens off stage is that where people really want to work with you. It reminded me, there's an event I spoke at recently. And one of the things that they would do is they bring in, uh, I think it was like eight speakers each year and they would always let the audience vote and then they would bring back the most popular speaker the following year. And right. so the guy that had been brought back from the previous year, this was my first year at it, the guy that had been brought previous year kind of asked around to some of the attendees like, hey, because I saw him speak and he wasn't that good. And oh, so right. I was really curious, like, what? why did you guys vote on this guy? What was he amazing last year? And they said, they said, because he just hung out with us all the time. So mornings, he was hanging out at breakfasts. He was up late hanging out, you know, around the bar or, or getting coffee or whatever, hanging out with people and just being with people. And that's the thing that they cared about. Most of them were just like, I don't even remember what he talked about last year. I don't even really care what he talked about. But the connection with him offstage is what we really valued. Well, you know, and it's funny because like as much as we as speakers want to like, you know, be proud about what we, you know, what we get on stage, we also know like majority of the value for attendees ends up happening with the networking and, you know, the after hour events. So it makes a lot of sense being able to throw yourself in that mix. I mean, that sailing one, I had such a great time at this U.S. sailing event because, you know, they weren't sure about me leading into it. They were actually confused why the the event was bringing me in. And then I, you know, the audience was you know, amazing. And they were so giving and they, they embodied every, you know, they kind of brought me in and they said, Brian, we want to take you out on the boat the next day. And I had an event the following night and I said, you know what? I'm going to push my flight back a little bit. I woke up the next morning. I got to go sailing with an Olympian yeah. on this like two man sail. And we went out, you know, in Florida. And to me that that little bit, like I don't know the direct ROI today, right. but that those little things, you're right. That's the pieces where there was 12 speakers at an event and our friend Ron tight was there and he blew yeah. everybody's doors off and he's a comedian. He's, he's amazing. But I, I, for me, if I can get one person to be like, Oh wait, I like that speaker that was the one that went sailing with us the yes. next day. Yeah. Bingo. That's such a, a value add. And being a part of that community, I think, is something we as speakers have to kind of embrace because people can watch our YouTube videos or read our books. It's like truly how do we make an impact? And a lot of times it's what we do on stage, but it's those little moments off stage as well. And not to mention that just being able to sail with an Olympia, like that's just a cool experience, right? It's super so cool. I was like, the, I was like, check box, you know, bucket totally, list. Totally. I had this is super random. Years ago, I'd been booked for an event in Florida and I had the, the guy that was helping put on the event, he reached out like a month or two beforehand. He's like, Hey, this is really random. If it doesn't work, no big deal. My dad is the CFO of NASA. Would you like to come in early and get a tour? And I'm not like a space guy at all, but I'm like, yeah, I will be there for that. It was just a cool, like a super cool experience. But even to that point, like I spent the whole day with him, right? And spent the day hanging out with him, connecting with him, meeting his dad, and just kind of this, you know, behind the scenes, cool experience that's shared that, that again, builds that connection and that bond with that person that may lead to additional things in the future. Now, one of the things that you'd mentioned in the post is you do a lot of things for promotion. So it's not just Brian shows up, does his, his dog and pony show and then goes home, but you do a lot to promote them as a, as a brand, as a company, as an event, and as an association or as a group. What, what does that kind of look like? When I'm 
teaming up or partnering with an event, I look at it threefold, right? I want to make three people look really good, right? I want to make the event organizer that that is hiring me look very good. Mm-hmm. I want to make the sponsors of their event look really good. And I want to make the attendees of the event really happy, right? So like those are my three prong pieces. So when I'm at an event, you know, and, and doing selfies with the audience, and a lot of those things, what I've realized is like, you know, hey, I don't have a book today. I'm working on one, but I don't have a book. I'm not a celebrity. I have a, a good digital footprint. But for the most part, you know, for me, like, selling tickets is not something that I will, you know, out the gate, just name recognition, put my name right. on the billboard. I will sell tickets. And you know, that, I think that happens over time. But what I've have realized is that I like creating video and creating video is very easy for me. And so when I talk to the event, it's like, how can I help you sell tickets? Like, well, we got Michelle Obama as like a big name. And I was right. like, okay, well, are you doing Facebook ads or Instagram ads? And they'll be like, yeah. I'm like, well, why don't you do, I'll do a, a one minute video and a two and a half minute video and I'll send them to you raw and you can use them for promotion. Right. And I, and I even asked the event organizer, I'm like, okay, where do you get the most bang for your buck with selling tickets? And then where are things that you think you still need help with? And sometimes it might be sponsors where I'll tell them, hey, how about I do a video towards your sponsors that you can send out in an email that'll say what I'm going to talk about, the fact that I'm going to be there for the whole day. They could even have access to me. Maybe that'll push you know, a sponsor over the, the edge. Maybe they'll have a sponsor increase the amount of, of pieces that they want. So I try to not only include that from like a you know, promotion of selling tickets, but I'm like, how can I help you today move the needle? And, and I've been amazed how many times it's something as simple as Brian, just give me a, you know, a two minute video it can be raw. And, you know, I create these for my iPhone, right? So this, this isn't, this isn't Brian going to a studio. It's right. my iPhone. And I, and I simply talk about either what I'm going to talk about, why I'm excited about the event and, and it takes me maybe you know, an hour per event that I'm getting. And right. that kind of not only helps with that, that early part, but I feel better at the event, because then I can focus on, you know, my attention on the audience, right? Like, how do I really move the needle of the audience? And I also take a lot of pride in saying that, like, if you're going to hire me to be a part of the event, I want to help people be educated on what I'm talking about, right? Because I play into a little bit of stereotypes a lot of times, like, I'm the backwards hat millennial guy that really laid back. And so I, I know sometimes that can be polarizing, or people can be confused with the title or the topic. And so if the topic's, you know, millennial mindset, connecting with digital natives, I'll do like a fun video for them to share out to their email list. That's like, oh my God, like almost a parody on myself, but it allows them like in a window into who I am. And I think that not only gets people to come into the the event or or the session that I'm speaking, but I feel like it also allows them to come in with an open mind. Because for me, I don't need them to love me prior to the event, but I do want them to come in you know, with an open mind to saying, Hey, what is this guy going to talk about? Not like, Oh God, another one of those millennials right. telling us how to do things. Like I'm not going to that session. So yeah, I do that ahead of time. I, you know, I also promote on my own channels. You know, I have a little over a quarter million followers on social myself individually. So, you know, I do an Instagram post. I put the the logo and a link to the, the to the event on my website. You know, I include it in my promotion. And then when I get to the event, one of my favorite things to do is I do a Twitter video with the event hashtag while I'm on site. So that morning, and a Twitter video is just simply opening the Twitter app, clicking the video button, and you get two minutes and 20 seconds to create a video, right? And I usually do it and say, hey guys, I'm here at the event. This is, I'm so excited to be here. This, I'm gonna walk to the room that we're gonna be talking to. And I give kind of people like that, that highlight, but I try to capture that like truly passionate because, you know, as speakers, we will sometimes go five events in a row. Like, I, you know, two weeks ago, I had five events in four days over like an interesting period of time. And I wanted people to realize that, like, yes, the promotion ahead of time is great, but I also wanted to show them how excited I am to be at their event, right? right? Like their individual event rather than just seeing an Instagram post. And so that Twitter video, after I take it, I, I use the hashtag 
I send the raw video to the event organizer, and then I pin the tweet to the top of my Twitter account. And you'll be amazed at people that are like, oh, who's this speaker? And they'll go to your Twitter account because, yeah. you know, with the event hashtag. And then the very first post they see is a post with me excited to be at their event. Right. That I feel like the amount of people that come up to me and say, Brian, I came to your session because, man, I watched that video you created outside and right. I was, you were so excited to be here. I wanted to see why you were so excited. Yeah. And to me, that's like, well, it took me two minutes and 20 seconds. Right. I just posted the Twitter and I'm winning people over before I ever step on stage. That's interesting. It kind of reminds me of the difference between going to see a specific comedian versus going to see a comedy show, right? If you're buying a ticket to go see Jerry Seinfeld, you kind of know what you're getting into and you're going with a, an expectation to see that specific comedian versus like, I'm going to see, I'm going to a comedy club. I don't really know what I'm going to get. And so it kind of like almost, I don't know, pre-frames it and presets the table for people who are coming to see you of like, I know I'm going to see a speaker and that's about the extent of it versus like, I've seen a couple of videos along the promotional path here. And now at least I have some sense of who this is. And from a speaking standpoint, it makes your job easier because you don't have to spend quite as, you still have to spend some time up front building that rapport, building that connection, but at least there's some context of who you are and why it is that you're there. Have you found that to be the case? Without question. I, you know, I used to start off and I'm sure people are listening to this now. Hopefully you're not listening to the podcast at one and a half X because I know I talk fast. <laughs> right. And, I, and it was always something for me that I early on in my speaking career, I tried to stop, try to slow down. And then I realized by doing so, it took away my passion and what, how I kind of convey my message. And so then I started to introduce myself on stage or I like have my intro always include Brian talks fast and tweets faster or whatever the tagline has been. But now it's that it's that video. It's those videos ahead of time where I in somewhere in that video, I say, hey, I do talk fast, you know, be prepared to learn because I talk fast. You're going to get more information in that hour than you would with someone else. Right. I, I kind of almost make it part of it. Right. And that, that way, when people come, they know what to expect from a personality as well. Right. Because I think that's another thing as a speaker is like, Hey, this topic looks great. They've written a, a bunch of books. People talk about how great they are, but is it going to be someone that speaks to me in the way that I like to learn? Right. And I almost like, I put that out there right out of the gate. Like, Hey, I talk fast. This is how I talk. I move my hands and you're going to get a lot of information and you know, love it or hate it. And I think that's to me, like you said, I, it's setting the stage, but it also gives them an idea. Whenever I, I start talking fast on stage, they're not, you know, spending the first five minutes like, oh God, I, I, I can't take notes during this session because right. he talks too fast. And it, it, it does kind of give me a win early on, which is, is definitely a, a value for me. So all of the promotion that you do ahead of time, if I'm understanding correctly, it's less about how do I promote sailing, something I know squat about. And I'm like, it's not like I'm going to be massively moving tickets, if any tickets for their specific event, but it's more of the, what they're able to do all this promotion more from an internal perspective so that they can then use to promote to their people to get them excited about the event, to get them excited about the conference. The other just kind of like byproduct, I think that that happens from this is that a lot of, uh, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, and I've always shared this with speakers that speaking is very much a momentum business. And so there's a lot of social proof to you posting on a regular basis that, oh, I'm speaking here and I'm speaking here and I'm speaking here. And it's like, wait, wasn't that dude just in a different, he was speaking in a different audience yesterday. And so there's some level of that social proof of like, oh, he actually does this. And this is a thing that he's doing regularly versus like, you know, I spoke one time at the Rotary Club a year ago and that nothing since then, right? Have you found that to be the case? And I have. And the other part of this that is really fun is that when you do the internal videos or you do the videos for them to share, I will go to events and the staff that is working the event that works for the brand, right? And works for the different company. And I did one at the uh, GI Sports Paintball Conference. The amount of people that work at GI Sports, they came up to me and gave me a hug. They've never talked to me on the phone. Yeah. They're like, 
man, Brian, that video that you shared about why you're excited about our space and all the research that you were doing in it, they're like, dude, I've been talking up this, you speaking this entire time. They're like, I hate the conference part of this because I'm usually running around. Right. And they're like, we had a bid for people to sit in there, right? Like I turn those, those staff members, which are people that are working the door, or maybe they're the ones that someone comes up to and says, hey, which of these two sessions should I go right, to? Right. I allow them to see who I am, right? And I show them, you know, hey, I care about your event. You know, this is what I'm doing. And I was amazed, the paintball event, the amount of people that came up to me and said, I'm a huge fan of yours. And this is two hours before I go on stage. And they were employees. And if I already won the employees over, right? Now it's just a matter of doing what I do really well on stage. And now I have an army of people that are advocates yeah. uh, for me. And that that part has been a, a very fun byproduct of it. Or even I'll get someone that tweets me and say, Brian, I'm so excited you're speaking at this event. I'm like, well, the speaking announcement hasn't gone out yet. They're like, really? well, I'm on the volunteer list. And they just sent us your video to all the volunteers to try to get additional volunteers. She's like, I signed up the volunteer immediately as soon as I saw your video. And so you never know where that video can be used. And in, right. if I can, those little momentum things, like you said, can turn into someone getting one more person to your audience or maybe you know that AV tech who might not go above and beyond for every speaker, but the fact that they saw a video about how much you care about what you're doing ahead of time, they might go a little bit further, you know, for you, I, I think that to me is a, is a, a nice byproduct of those, you know, kind of personalizing those videos and things ahead of time. No, and that's a great point. You touched on this earlier that oftentimes the reason that you you build a great connection with a potential client that may refer you or work with you again in the future is oftentimes it has nothing to do with what happens on stage. It's, what, it's about what happens off stage. And so from their perspective, if you're able as a keynote speaker to help them get more volunteers, to get more people excited, to get more people just to show up for sessions and not sleep in or skip out on a session and go do something else, like it has nothing to do with what you said, but it's the personality and the uh, passion that you bring to their event, like that is huge, huge value. And again, the event planner may be like, I have no idea what he actually talked about on stage, but the value he provided off stage is why we would want to work with him again or why we'd want to, we'd recommend him to other people. Without question, you know, I did a, I did a yoga session at 7 a.m. before one of the <laughs> events recently, and the event organizer came in and said, "What are you doing? Like you're you're the opening session. You're at 10 a.m. What are you doing?" And I said, "Here's the thing. Like I was petitioning everybody to get up early and come to my event. I wanted them to come up there, but then I also told them, "Hey, I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. I'm I'm a big practitioner. If I tell you to to push the button or use live video or do these things, I'm want." the guinea pig, the proof to be myself. Yeah. And I was amazed because they looked at me like, well, was that a strategy? And I said it was because even the people that didn't come out at 7 a.m. to do yoga with me, they watched my Instagram stories. They saw the videos and pictures being posted on Twitter. If they were thinking about not getting out of bed and kind of just coming to the afternoon sessions and they were like, wait a second, if that speaker was that focused and dedicated and, right. and even doing, and I'm not a person that does yoga, like <laughs> you know, my, that's not in my normal repertoire, but the little things like that to me is like, hey, if I'm going to preach it, I'm going to practice it up front. Yeah. And it's amazing how you can win some people over by doing something as simple as that. And, and to me, that's just that I want to be a part of it, not just a, you know, a one-off fly in, fly out. Right. Good stuff, man. Well, Brian, we appreciate you taking the time, sharing this with us and enjoy this conversation. I'll be sure and link up to this in the show notes. Hey, if people want to find out more about you, check out some of the other stuff that you're up to. Maybe check out all these different videos you've referenced. Where can we go? So uh, consistency is extremely important. I preach that everywhere. So I'm um, iSocialFans with a Z at the end. So iSocialFans, iSocialFans.com, iSocialFans on every social channel that's out there. And uh, if you want to check out, you know, podcasters, listen to podcasts. I host a podcast called FOMO Fans, uh, F-O-M-O-F-A-N-Z uh, with a Z. And my goal is to cure your digital marketing fear of missing out every single week. So check out that podcast. It's on all your podcast players. But uh, Grant, it was a lot of fun. I tell you, uh, I'm going to do a video talking about this podcast and our relationship on how it's helped 
my speaking business, but I, I just want to say thank you for not only contributing to my speaking success, but helping move the needle for speakers across the board. I think the more people that invest in training and doing it the right way, especially from the, the business side, the more value events are going to have, which just means more opportunities for us speakers. So uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks again for everything you do. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Fanto. Again, you can check out his site over at isocialfansfanz.com. Again, that is isocialfans.com. Brian's a great guy, very, very smart. He's got a couple good speaking posts on his website as well that I'd encourage you to uh, stop by and check out. Hey, one more time, let me remind you, if you haven't already, definitely stop by myspeakerfee.com. Again, that is myspeakerfee.com. And if you don't know what your speaker, what you should be charging as a speaker, or if you're like, all right, I... Here's what I currently charge. I don't know. Maybe I'm undercharging or overcharging and I just need another opinion. Then uh, definitely stop by and check out myspeakerfee.com. Enter a couple of those free questions and it'll spit out a number of what you should be charging as a speaker. All right. All right, my friends. uh, That wraps up episode 184. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.